0: Greenie with Mike Greenberg, the podcast.
1: Back and better than ever. Greeny presented by Progressive Insurance. My guests on the Shell Penzo performance line, and we are revved up and ready to go on a very busy Wednesday NBA draft tonight. Not the sexiest draft we've ever had, but some interesting things could and will happen. Talk about that for a little bit. I have a conundrum. It's a fantasy question, and I'm asking it to you. I'm asking you for your help. And so we'll get to that in just a minute here. We'll talk about Jim Harbaugh, we'll talk about Drew Brees and Jameis Winston, we'll talk about Mike Tomlin, and there's something I just need you to know about what it's like to be me. All those and more as we roll on on this Wednesday. Delighted that you are here coast-to-coast on ESPN Radio and ESPN Plus and the ESPN app and all the many different ways that we get to hang out together every single day. Let's start with the draft. Again, a year ago, it's not exactly a year ago, a season ago. When we got to the draft, it was about the most anticipated draft ever because it was the draft of Zion and John Morant and the rest of that class. And it was a fascinating year. And obviously, this year is nothing like that for a variety of reasons. We don't have the same level of star power, not even close. And second of all, we didn't even get an NCAA tournament last year to watch some of these guys make a deep run. So the names that you will hear at the top of this draft tonight in some order will include Anthony Edwards and James Wiseman and LaMelo Ball. Anthony Edwards, people are telling me, is like a Spider Mitchell. He's that caliber of player, played at Georgia last year. James Wiseman, you may recall, is the player who barely got to play last year because the NCAA decided it was really important that he didn't. And LaMelo Ball, you don't need me to tell you who LaMelo Ball is. Here's what the two things that I have my eye on for tonight. One of them is what do the Warriors do? The Warriors are a team that is in a unique position. They have the second pick in the draft, and they are thinking NBA championship thoughts this year. So the player who most of the projections put in that spot is James Wiseman. If you're the Golden State Warriors this year and you've got Steph and you've got Clay and you've got Draymond and you've got all that group and you're going to try and make a run at LeBron and Anthony Davis and everybody else you need to beat, is, is a 19-year-old kid going to help you do that? Is, is that any chance that is going to be the piece that puts you over the top? I don't see it. If I'm the Warriors, and you don't have to do it today, but if I'm the Warriors, I'm looking to maneuver. The minute they won that spot in the lottery, they got the second pick in the lottery. The first thought I had, and obviously it wasn't an original thought, was how do they turn that into a player who helps them win the championship this coming year? So let's see what they do with that pick. That's the number one interesting thing to me. The number two interesting thing is something that Mike Schmidt said to me on Get Up this morning. I thought this was a really interesting take. James Wiseman is a seven-foot-one center. He's a player, Jay Billis said, five years ago there would have been no discussion. He would have been the first pick in the draft, and that would be it. But people have devalued centers to the point that Schmitz made this comparison this morning. He said centers in the NBA have become like running backs in the NFL. Just go find a cheap one and plug them in because there were so many who can do what most of them can do. It's a really interesting way to look at it. And frankly, for someone my age, it's a depressing way to look at it. Center used to be the glamour position in the NBA. There was nothing like the big man. The game ran through the big man. The most important player on your team was the big man. The legendary center. Is that something that's going away? Are we never going to have that again? Anthony Davis isn't a legendary center. He's not a center. I'm talking about a center. Does, if, if the world is cyclical, if, if the world is a pendulum that swings one way and then swings back in the other, are we ever going to have that again? I'm not talking about James Wiseman. I don't know the first thing about James Wiseman. No one got to see him. So I listened to all the Schmitzes and the Billises of the world telling me how, how great he has the potential to be. And I hope that he is. And I found the way the NCAA treated him last year to be just disgraceful. But that's a whole other discussion for a whole other time. But what I am interested to see is, will the pendulum swing back? Will we ever see the classic big man back to the basket, work the ball through him, play inside out? Does that, is that just over now? It's been out of the league for a couple of years. But it never really occurred to me until he said that today, that that's it. It's just done. Basketball, the way it was conceived and played for the first, I don't know, 80 years of its existence, is now just over. We'll see. Maybe Wiseman goes two tonight. I mean, they just the kid, uh, the kid from Arizona just went number one two years ago. So they're still taking centers. Now we'll see what winds up happening. So tonight is the draft. Again, you'll see it on ESPN, you'll hear the coverage on ESPN radio, and and we'll see what the Warriors wind up doing at number two. Again, to me, that is overwhelmingly the most pressing and interesting piece of it. Speaking of pressing, I need your help. This is item of business number two for us today. I have what I grant might sound like a ridiculous question. So I'm playing in this fantasy league. I think I've mentioned to you before, I play in this IBM fantasy league and I've got Like a bunch of different people are in it. Like like former players are in it. Like Eli Manning and Ed Reed are in it. And then a bunch of ESPN people are in it, including Field Yates and Sage Steele and Swagoo and a bunch of other of my friends. And I've had a terrible season because I had the second pick in the draft and I took Saquon Barkley and I've just never overcome his injury. But I'm still trying every week. So today I was on waivers. I'm looking to see because I needed to plug in a running back. And I was on the waivers and I noticed that Jameis Winston, who now becomes the starting quarterback in New Orleans, is, um, is, was available for, for just to be picked up. So I picked him up. I just put him on my roster. I figured, what the heck? My starting quarterback is Aaron Rodgers, and he's had a very good year. But then I noticed this. If you look at the little number on the other side of Rodgers, it says he's facing the number one defense in the sport this weekend. He's playing Indianapolis, and they are number one in pass defense. Jameis Winston, starting for New Orleans with a, with a coach he's never played for before and weapons he's never had before, is playing the Falcons. The number next to them is 32. Rodgers is literally playing the best defense, and Jameis is playing the worst. So the idea that one would bench Aaron Rodgers in fantasy or anything for Jameis Winston, I grant, is ridiculous. But it did cross my mind. And so I threw a poll question up. If you go to my uh, Twitter page at ESPN Green, you can vote on it. And the last I checked, it's got 65% of people are telling me that I should be starting. Uh, let me refresh this. That I should be starting Rogers. Let me see here. Yeah, 65% saying Rogers. I did want to share with you that there are a lot of people in the comments telling me to pick Jameis. And there are actually some very funny comments in here as well, including one guy who said to me. Uh, you, should start, you should take Winston if you are in a bizarre league or interceptions give you points. That made me laugh. So thank you for sending those in. They're fun. But it is a serious question because I'm rather new to the fantasy. I play DraftKings every weekend. I get the daily fantasy piece. It's actually an interesting question there. I haven't looked up to see what each of the players would cost this weekend. But I wonder, would you, would you be interested in Rodgers? Do you think Aaron Rodgers puts up bigger numbers this weekend against Indianapolis? which has the number one pass defense in the sport, than Jameis does against the Falcons, who are dead last? It's an interesting question. Cast your vote on my Twitter page, and we'll talk about it. And in fact, that sets me up for my straight talk for today. Straight talk brought to you by Straight Talk Wireless. Do you know that at the time that Drew Brees got married up with Sean Payton, his numbers for his career looked almost identical to Jameis Winston's numbers right now? In Drew Brees' first five seasons, he was a 62% completion, 85 passer rating, and his touchdown-to-interception ratio was 1.5. He threw one-and-a-half touchdowns for every pick. Those were his numbers. Jameis Winston threw his first five seasons, 61% completion, less than 1% difference. 86.9 passer rating, three points higher. His touchdown-to-interception ratio was actually slightly B- worse, but slightly 1.4 versus 1.5, practically indistinguishable. Hembo sent me these numbers with a note that said Drew Brees didn't become Drew Brees until he found Sean Payton. Which begs the following question Is it possible that what we are about to see this weekend, when Jameis Winston starts against Atlanta, is the beginning of the resurrection of his career and a passing of the baton or the torch? In New Orleans, do you think Jameis Winston can become the quarterback of the Saints? Now, don't get crazy. I'm not suggesting that when Breeze comes back from his broken ribs, he doesn't get his job back this year. Nothing changes that. Breeze came back for one more run at this thing with Sean Payton, and that's what they're going to give him literally no matter how well Jameis Winston plays. If Jameis Winston makes people say, you know what? He's better than Patrick Mahomes, I still think they give the ball Back to Breeze for one last hurrah. But from what I've read, Breeze, he's going to be in the booth at NBC next year. This is it for Breeze. And so when Jameis Winston first signed in New Orleans, I, who have been a believer in his talent from the beginning, you might remember, I said on TV last year, I'm the last man standing on Jameis Winston's hill. I'm dying on this hill. And then absolutely no one in the offseason wanted him. He did not have a starting offer anywhere in the NFL. A guy who was a Heisman winner and the first pick in the draft six years ago not 15, six, with obvious talent. And his numbers, again, it's a ridiculous thing to say, but if you take out the interceptions, his numbers are surreal. So someone just needs to curtail that. If you just cut the interceptions down to what is generally considered to be a bad number, just your average run-of-the-mill bad number, Jameis Winston is an excellent quarterback. Can Sean Payton make him that? Maybe we start to get the answer to that question this week. I think the answer is yes. I believe in Jameis. I believe in his talent. And I believe in Sean Payton. I believe that some guys just can get the very best out of quarterbacks. And if Winston is smart, and people who know him tell me he is, I don't know Jameis Winston at all, but if Winston is smart, he will recognize that this is his shot. Nothing better than this could happen to him. He's not going to Kansas City. So nothing better could have happened to Jameis Winston than to get the chance to play for Sean Payton, play in that offense, and try and look a little more like Drew Brees and Teddy Bridgewater than like Jameis Winston. When Bridgewater stepped in for Brees last year, the difference was practically indistinguishable because Bridgewater plays the same game. Low risk, short passes, check it down, find Michael Thomas for six yards at a time, and keep moving the chains. Be super accurate, don't make mistakes. Drew Brees going to the Hall of Fame, doing all those things. And that's what Teddy Bridgewater did. And that's what he does. That's the opposite of what Jameis Winston does. Jameis Winston, you might as well, if you were to to steal a phrase from his former coach, if you were to put up a picture of Jameis Winston, you could write underneath it, no risk it, no biscuit. Well, in this case, no risk it, no biscuit equals no career. So this is his shot. This is the chance for Jameis Winston to finally realize the glory that many people, myself included, have felt he has a chance to gain. And it could wind up being a huge win for him and a huge win for the Saints if he plays really well, because they could figure out he's our future. Breeze passes the torch. Straight talk, wireless, no contract, no compromise. All right. Week 11 in the NFL starts tomorrow night with a really good game. Divisional matchup, NFC West, best division in the sport. We will see Arizona and Seattle tomorrow night. Uh, Kyler Murray, the number one pick in the draft of two years ago against the guy who was the reason he went number one. I've said many times, Kyler Murray owes Russell Wilson the ultimate debt of gratitude because it was Russell who convinced everybody that you could play the quarterback even if you weren't six foot three. And Kyler Murray, R.C. said it great this morning on Get Up. He's so good, he makes you forget how short he is. So that should be an outstanding matchup. But to kick off our coverage of Week 11, let's bring a little music into the conversation. Let me bring in hashtag Bubba. And Bubba, you're going to put together a few teams from here, and we will do pretender or contender, and here's the way we're going to use it. The question is going to be, if this team is a contender, it means I'm telling you I could see them in their conference championship game, that this could be this year's Tennessee Titans that wind up winning two playoff games when people don't see it coming. And with that, I say hello to hashtag Bubba. Yellow. It's quite a response there, Bubba. That's... <laughs> I mean,
0: hey, we're, we're ready to go here. You wanted to spice it up a bit.
1: What are you, a superhero? I mean, when I, some I say would, hello, some would say. It, that, was, that was remarkable. Okay, so give me the first candidate for today's pretender or contender. Okay, contender or pretender. How about the Las Vegas Raiders? Where are you Absolutely at with that? Absolutely a contender. Absolutely a contender. That is the team no one is paying attention to. They beat Kansas City. They get the Chiefs again In their own building, in Vegas, on Sunday night. I think they have a very good chance to win that game. They play good defense. They smash you in the mouth on offense. Jacobs can run with the football. They've got weapons on the outside, and Derek Carr is actually pushing it down the field. Derek Carr is having one of the best seasons that absolutely no one is talking about of any quarterback in the NFL. Gruden and Reed have a rivalry that goes back forever. It goes back to their days on the staff at Green Bay. I think the Raiders are going to make that interesting. If However many points you're getting in that game, I haven't looked at the line. Take them. And I absolutely believe the Raiders are one of those teams that could get hot at the right time and could win two playoff games and wind up with a third meeting with Kansas City in the AFC Championship game. I absolutely think they could. Bubba, next. How about the Miami Dolphins? What
0: do you think of their contender-pretender? <laughs>
1: <laughs> that, that sound effect is... Phenomenally dramatic. Yeah, I mean, that's,
0: wow, this is a dramatic segment. So. That's
1: very good. Who did you say? The Dolphins?
0: The Dolphins, yeah. What do you got okay. there?
1: Pretender. Which is to say, I believe the Dolphins have the brightest future of any team in the National Football League. I think they've got their quarterback in Tua. They've got a, a, a playoff caliber bordering on championship caliber defense. And they have, I want to say, eight picks in the first two rounds in the next four years. They have the Texans first and second next year, so they're going to get high draft picks. They are, I think, a year ahead of schedule. I believe the Dolphins will win, will make the playoffs as a wild card, but I do not believe using the standard we are using here, which is to say, could I see them winning two playoff games and make it to the AFC Championship game? My answer to that is no. That's one year too early. So by that standard, they're a pretender. Next. What about the Colts? Indianapolis Colts. <laughs> Frank Reich and the boys.
0: Pretender. Contender. They've Your changed thoughts. my mind.
1: They've changed my mind. I am I am growing increasingly impressed with what I see from the Colts. And Rivers is starting to look better. And Phillip Rivers, when they signed him, if you were listening to me at the time, I said, I think they just blew it. Because Rivers, to me, last year in L.A. did not look like a quarterback having a bad year. He looked like a quarterback who was done. And I'm by no means convinced he isn't. But he's looking better and better to me. If he takes care of the football, that defense is so good. Reich is an excellent coach. They've got weapons. I don't love them. But if you're asking me, could I see them being this year's Titans? That's exactly who I could see them being. I absolutely could see them with the right matchups, knocking off two teams on their way to the AFC Championship game. Absolutely. So they are, in my opinion, very much a contender. Baba, one more. All right, they had the game of the
0: week last weekend. Arizona Cardinals, Kyler Murray, <laughs> pretender contender.
1: I believe they are a pretender at this point. I, 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 I like the Cardinals. I like them enough to date them right now, but not to marry them. I, I, I'm not totally sold. I believe Seattle will beat them tomorrow night. I do not think that they are as complete as a lot of other teams in the NFC. The NFC is much more wide open than the AFC. In the AFC, there's really only two teams I like. I like Kansas City and Pittsburgh. I would not not bet any amount of money that any other team winds up making it to the conference championship game. But if the game is, could I see it happening? I'll give you the ones I could see. The Colts are one I could see. The Raiders are another. The Cardinals, to me, there's too many teams in the NFC I couldn't see them beating in a playoff scenario. I don't see them beating Green Bay in a playoff scenario. I don't see them beating Tampa or New Orleans in a playoff scenario. Let's see what else comes out of their division. I like the Rams, and I think Seattle will beat them. So I think the Cardinals might slip into the playoffs. It's not easy to get into the playoffs in the NFC. I think the Cardinals will slip in at the back end of the playoffs, but I do not believe they are a contender to make a run of consequence this year. One more, Bubba? Oh, I got one more for you, and it's the Los Angeles Rams. Yes, contender
0: or contender?
1: Totally in, totally a contender. They, they do the things. The Rams, I think, are going to be the team to watch in the second half. The Rams are on the come. Their defense is for real, and they have and their coach. I believe so much in their coach that it makes me believe in a quarterback I don't really believe in. But we've seen him, meaning McVeigh, get the most out of golf enough to ride that all the way to a Super Bowl appearance a couple of years ago, and they could do it again. Their defense is outstanding. They have two of the individual best defensive players in the sport in Aaron Donald and Jalen Ramsey. They're getting a lot of pressure on the quarterback from other people as well, Leonard Floyd and and company. And then on offense, they can beat you with a lot of different people. They got a bunch of different weapons. They got a bunch multiple tight ends cup is good and 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 they, they, they're i don't buy the quarterback fully but i buy enough into the coach that i think they are a legitimate contender in fact if you told me right now the rams are going to wind up in the super bowl again i wouldn't tell you you were crazy that's pretender or contender with us Greeny here in with this very dramatic sound effect, as we invite you to be a part of Greeny Nation on the Dr. Pepper call-in line. We'll take the calls a little later today. ESPN Nation presented by Dr. Pepper. The college football season is heating up, and so is your favorite Dr. Pepper-loving college football town, Fansville. Head to a store near you. Treat your inner college football fan to an ice-cold 20-ounce Dr. Pepper today. Here's the best thing I can tell you about the way this show has started. We didn't get to any of the things I planned. In this opening conversation in this opening segment of our show i had two more things planned that we didn't get to which means that the the bag of tricks remains completely filled we're going live to chicago to find out if they need themselves a new coach in just a moment this is greeny with you i'm presented by progressive insurance my guests like tom waddle next on the shell penn's performance line
2: greeny the podcast this show is sponsored by BetterHelp. help we all carry around
1: Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Half past the hour. Greeny with you on ESPN Radio and streaming on ESPN+. Plus. A reminder, this show is also a podcast every single day. Hashtag Greeny is the name, and you can find it anywhere that you find your podcasts. All right, I promised you yesterday I would do this. I'm going to bring Tom Waddle into the conversation in a minute because I'm intrigued by what's going on at the University of Michigan. Jim Harbaugh is someone that I've known for 30 years, and I'm fascinated, and I will admit, really surprised by how badly things have gone and are going for him at Michigan. I want you to hear what David Pollack, who's, of course, one of the stars of College Game Day on ESPN, one of the, the most informed and, and most um, you know, impactful college football voices in America. He was on Get Up With Me this morning, and I asked him his thoughts on what he's seeing at Michigan right now. Listen to David
3: you can put blame wherever you want to put blame but something's not right. Offensively they don't look good. Defensively they look a mess by the way. Um, They they want to continue to be stubborn and play more man coverage than almost anybody in the country and they continue to get abused for it so listen, it's not going well and and something I think at this point has to change and I don't know if it's a disconnect with Jim Harbaugh because he is he's a little bit quirky and he's a little bit different and uh, he's a lot more old school so I don't know if he's not relating to the kids. I don't know what's going on but something obviously has gone really wrong in ann arbor and something needs to change
1: and that something will most likely be harbaugh will no longer be the coach next season because his contract expires after next season there are no lame duck coaches in major college football so the question i raised yesterday here was will there be an nfl team interested in him and what i remembered was that when he was the quarterback of the chicago bears he was, among other things, very close to the McCaskey family, the family that owns the Chicago Bears and still does. The person that I believe he was closest to was Michael, who was uh, the man who ran the team in those days. Michael is no longer with us, but the family still owns the team. And so I promised you I would get Tom Waddle on the program, and I do exactly that. Tommy was a teammate of Jim Harbaugh's, played for the Bears, and now hosts Waddle and Sylvie, the number one sports talk show in Chicago on ESPN 1000. Hello, Tom Waddle. Greeny, how are you, buddy? I'm good. So I'm, I'm looking for answers here. I, I have become extraordinarily disillusioned with your head coach, Matt Nagy, there in Chicago. I think he has screwed everything up beyond repair. And so I, I, I'm not in the business of firing coaches. But if indeed the Bears are one of the teams this offseason that are looking for a new coach, how do you think it would be received if Jim Harbaugh was one of the people that was under consideration?
3: All right, I heard your show yesterday, uh, so I thought maybe I would get this phone call, so I'm prepared for it. Uh, and my first response would be, full disclosure, I'm biased because Jim was my quarterback, and I have such an affinity for Jim, loved him as a teammate, uh, his desire, uh, his love of the game, his dedication, how hard he played. Look, we were not Montana the Rice. I mean, obviously, you know that. You covered our teams. Uh, but, but I loved playing with Jim, and I have the ultimate respect for him. I'm probably much more equipped to evaluate him as an NFL head coach because as you played David Pollock, he's much more equipped to, to evaluate Jim as, as a college coach. I mean, you go back to the years he was with the 49ers, and I, I, I think in the four years he was there, they went to the NFC title game three out of the four years. They went to the Super Bowl one of those years. He had a tremendous staff. Greg Roman was one of the best. Offensive coordinators in the league was his OC. Vic Fangio, who's one of the best defensive minds in in the game, was his DC. So they had it rolling there. What has happened in Michigan, as I said, Greeny, I'm not really equipped to evaluate it. I can tell you this, though. um, Their inability or his inability to identify or recruit uh, a quarterback and develop that quarterback and excel offensively is concerning from where I sit, because we are a hot mess offensively. And it's not a rut here in Chicago. This has been going on for a better part of two seasons. And with the offensive ineptitude that we have experienced recently, that would be something that would concern people. Now, I, I do agree with what you said about the relationship. I do believe, obviously, Jim has a a healthy knowledge of the history of the National Football League and a respect for it. I know how much he respects this organization, the charter franchise, and I and I agree with you. And I think you're spot on. The Kasky family thinks a lot of Jim. Um, I, I think it's a conversation. If it came to be, that probably would happen. Whether or not it would be the perfect fit at this time, that I just I, I, that I'm undecided on, and I don't know.
1: Well, here's the thing. The problem is that if he came there right now, he might be the best quarterback on the roster. So he might give the Bears the best chance to win games this weekend. Tom Waddle, with me. Uh, and, and don't sell yourself short. You guys were good and, and, and you were uh, I, I know how close you two were. And that's why I know it's, it's complicated for you to yeah. sort of look at the flaws, which are obviously there. I mean, what's happened in Michigan is a surprising Failure. I don't know any other way to put it. That seemed like a a sure bet.
3: I would say that at first blush, people here in town would probably resist it because of the fact that we are struggling so mightily offensively. Yeah, that's what we need—someone to come in and fix our offense. And oh, oh, by the way, that's what is ailing Michigan as well. So I, I think that that would be a a a cause for concern. And again, like I said, it it, could it work? Sure, it could work. I mean, his resume is filled with an opportunity, albeit several years ago in San Francisco, where that team was as good as any in the league over that full year stretch.
1: Tom Waddle is with me on the Shell Pennzoil Performance Line, Shell V-Power Nitro Plus Premium Gasoline. Uh, this is Greeny presented by Progressive's Home Insurance. Get your quote at Progressive.com today. While I have you, Tommy, what were the calls like yesterday? What was everyone saying about Theo Epstein?
3: Uh, uh, well, I think everyone, and rightfully so, is, is appreciative. They're sad that he's going to go. I don't think this came as any shock. Uh, I think he, he telegraphed this and, you know, this this is a, a franchise that is on the cusp of having to make some really difficult decisions in a difficult environment because of how the financial landscape will change because of the pandemic. And I think they decided that, you know, with those important decisions on, on a number of players that have to be made, it's best to be made by somebody like Jed Hoyer, who is going to be here for the long run. So I, I understood it why they did what they did and why they did it as always Theo was as classy as anybody in the world of sports. Uh, People are sad, they're appreciative, but they kind of understand it. I mean, Theo telegraphed this a while ago. He's always said, listen, you know, he he subscribes to the Bill Walsh plan that after 10 years, both sides get a little bit stale. So, um, you know, I think there are a lot of people here that are, uh, are, are very happy that they finally lived their baseball dreams watching the cubs win the world series um they're sad to see theo go but they i think this is by the same token i think they understand why all
1: right have a good show today tommy thanks say hi to everybody for me
3: you got it buddy be good greeny
1: waddle and sylvie later this afternoon in chicago on espn 1000 of the best show in town and, and longtime friends of mine and um the hardball thing i have a few more thoughts on it that i'll get into as we go um i still believe And I will acknowledge that part of this is my own bias. Like, we all try as hard as we can to be unbiased. In fact, why don't I just sort of pause on that thought, and I'll expand on it, because it's a bigger point. I try very hard not to let personal relationships impact the way I view these things. And I don't have very close personal relationships with a lot of people in sports, for that reason. But, I mean, Jim Harbaugh is someone I've known 30 years. um, And I've always just thought he was a great coach. I guess I've been particularly, I've paid particularly close attention to him at every stop, even when he was coaching at the University of San Diego, because he had been someone that I had known. And then I watched him at Stanford and he was unbelievable at Stanford. That program that Stanford is right now, he built that. He really started that ball rolling. And then he went to San Francisco and just look at what they were before he got there and look at what they were after he left. So he has had enormous success. I thought it was impossible that he would not make it work at Michigan. I thought that was the move that could not fail. So the idea that he's going to be out of there at this point is a shocker to me. And what winds up happening to him next? I don't know. I think he'll get an NFL head coaching job, but I don't think that's a certainty at this point. Coming up next, I will say the name you don't know yet that you need to be thinking about tonight.
0: Greeny, the podcast.
1: Macy's has the perfect gift guide to make picking something for mom easy this year. Head to Macy's.com slash gift finder today. That's Macy's.com slash gift finder. Greeny with you on ESPN Radio. My Twitter poll at ESPN Greeny. My fantasy question for this weekend only which quarterback do I start? Aaron Rodgers against the number one defense in the sport, which is the Colts. I got 67% saying I start him over Jameis who's starting for New Orleans against the 32nd-ranked pass defense in the sport in Atlanta. Two-thirds, again, telling me to go with Rodgers. We will see. Meanwhile, tonight is the NBA draft, and I am very much looking forward to watching my friend Jay Billis give me the analysis on all these players, because there are more this year. The names at the top are ones we've probably seen play less than in any year that I can remember in a very long time, and so I welcome Jay Billis back to the program. Hello again, Billis.
0: Greeny, good to be with you.
1: So I teased going into the break that we're going to say a name that a lot of people probably have not heard at all that they'd better remember when we get to tonight, and that name is Tyrese Halliburton. It's a name I'm had. i not 100% sure that I had ever heard it spoken aloud until about two days ago, and now I'm hearing everyone tell me this is the player to watch tonight. Tell us who he is and how high he might go.
0: Well, he is uh, he's a point guard from Iowa State, and he's been there a couple years. Um, Long armed, you know, lanky, uh, outstanding handler, really good passer, excellent shooter. Uh, you know, spot up shooter, um, can shoot from deep, uh, can put the ball in the deck and get to the rim and finish, and he's a really good defender. I mean, I think per- perhaps the most complete player in the draft and the one you'd say, He's going to play 10, 12 years, and there's no way he's not going to be good. Um, you know, it's just a question of, you know, can, is he going to be great? And, and he may have a lower ceiling than LaMelo Ball, Wise, James Wiseman, or Anthony Edwards, but his, uh, his floor is much higher. So, you know, you, you can re- he, he's reliable. You can rely on him. And uh, I've got him as the, the fourth overall prospect in the draft uh, for that reason primarily not necessarily that he's going to he's going to come in and and you know light it up like donovan mitchell or something like that but that he's he's going to be unbelievably solid um and and contribute to winning at a high level right away
1: and that's just a name i want everyone listening to be remembering tonight when you hear his name called much earlier than a lot of people are projecting you heard jay billis tell you here that he could go that high let's talk about Lamelo ball He's obviously by far the most famous player in this draft because of his family and all the things that have happened. Just how good is he, Jay?
0: He's really talented. Um, he's a he's a wizard with the ball. Great ball handler, spectacular passer. Uh, can can deliver the ball in almost any situation. Uh, transition ability. Um, he doesn't shoot it, and he doesn't he hasn't shown much interest in defending to this point. But he he loves to play. He puts his time in, and I have no doubt that uh, that he'll transition well and and be a good NBA player. Uh, I don't I don't think even though he's he's extraordinarily talented with the ball uh, and and you know a point guard, uh, I I have Anthony Edwards a little bit ahead of him uh, because Edwards is uh, a better scorer. He's um, he's a, he's a Vastly superior athlete, so I think the the athleticism and the fact that he can score, and then, you know, Edwards is another guy that hasn't shown a ton of interest in defense, although he is much more capable of being a great defender than uh, than Lamella Ball is. Um, so it's just sort of a that that's kind of an eye of the beholder thing. They're different players. The only the only thing I'd say about uh, Edwards, um, he still has to learn how to play a little bit. Uh, as far as you know, some of his shot selection—you know—he needs to take the ball to the basket more, get fouled, and spend more time at the free throw line. And there is a question whether he he loves to play like Ball does. Um, and you know, can you be great in the NBA if you don't if you don't love it? Like he's getting beaten up right now on social media because I guess last night. He had said something like, uh, he talked about uh, he started in football, and if he got drafted in the NFL, he'd he'd give up basketball. That doesn't mean he's not going to work his tail off in basketball. People say, you know, he's a kid, he said something, you know, then now people are going, oh, just stay away from him because he wants to play football. That that doesn't make a whole lot of sense to me.
1: I'm with you, but it's probably not something he should have said, (laughs) right? (laughs) The day before the (laughs) draft.
0: Especially now, but I I doubt, you know, if, if, you know, first of all, like, when people say it's a wide-open draft, it, it, what, what it means is we don't know who's going to go number one. Like, mm-hmm. Minnesota knows who they're going to pick. Right. And, and I don't think – I don't think what – yeah, I don't think what he said in the you know last night is that all of a sudden they're pulling their hair out going, my God, I didn't know he wanted to play football. You know, they're not worried about that.
1: <laughs> Maybe we'll lose him to the Vikings. Um, all right, again, Billis and Company tonight, 730 Eastern on ESPN. We have coverage here on ESPN Radio as well, and we're looking forward to it. Jay, it's great to see you. Let's talk again soon. I appreciate it, my man. Thank you.
0: Thanks for having me.
1: It's a bill is getting ready for the draft tonight. And Greeny reminding you that, look, accidentally, sometimes we all damage our phones, right? That can happen. Well, now, Straight Talk Wireless' new Platinum Unlimited plan includes phone protection to 65 bucks a month, unlimited talk, text, data, and more. See mobile protect terms and conditions at assurioncom slash straight talk. Limitations and exclusions apply. We'll have more insight into some of this basketball with Wode. She's going to join us in a few minutes, a little on the draft, a little bit on the potential for James Harden and Russell Westbrook to get traded. We'll have Keyshawn Johnson as well. We're busy. Come on back. Greeny on ESPN Radio.
0: Thanks for listening to Greeny, the podcast.